This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We'll be looking at James chapter 5 as we continue our sermon series called Renewed. Begin at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to know and believe your word, that we would have confidence to pray boldly in your name, and that you would hear our prayers and act. In your name we pray. Amen. It happened again the other day. I sat down to eat a meal, and and before I did anything else, I gobbled it up like someone was going to steal it without even thinking about praying. I wish it just happened when I was eating a meal, but there are times I forget to pray before I go to bed or pray when I get up in the morning. And worse yet, when I'm going through a difficult situation, I don't always make prayer a priority. Do you find yourself doing that? That, that maybe you skip a mealtime prayer or, or don't find yourself praying in the evening or in the morning or, or worse yet, when you're going through a really challenging situation, you, you wait as a last resort to pray? Why is that? Why don't we make prayer a priority? Well, it's not because we don't have time. I mean, it doesn't take any time to pray. We can multitask when we're praying. We could pray uh, when we're driving in the car. We could pray any time of the day doing anything else. And it's not because we can't afford it. It's not like it costs us anything to pray. So why don't we pray constantly and continually? Why don't we make it a priority? Well, I think one of the main reasons why we don't always make prayer a priority is because we don't always trust that it's going to work. We've all had those times where where we prayed for something and we prayed hard for something and fervently for something and we didn't see any change, any result. And so after a while, we wonder, why pray? Why make prayer a priority? We're continuing this sermon series called Renewed and today we're talking about prayer over other priorities. And the question I want to answer today is, why pray? And to answer that question, we're going to go to the book of James. 
This letter written by James, and, and James was actually Jesus' half-brother. That's right. Mary and Joseph, they had other children. And the story goes that, that James, while Jesus was preaching, teaching, James didn't believe that his half-brother Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And you can't blame him. I mean, if your brother went around saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God, maybe he'd be a little bit skeptical. But after Jesus rose from the dead, James became a confident, fervent follower of Jesus. In fact, he became one of the main leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And now he's writing this letter. And he's writing this letter especially to Jewish Christians. And the way that James writes is he, he writes as a way to kind of provoke you, encourage you. He's kind of a challenger. He's kind of like um, that teacher who wouldn't let you settle for a lower grade than what you were capable of, that kept on pushing you and provoking you, challenging you. He's like that coach who, who wanted you to, to play at a higher level. And, and maybe they were hard to listen to at times, but they had your best in mind. That's what James is like. He, he's the kind of person that challenges you and pushes you. And what he's going to do in this text, he's going to challenge us to pray. And so here's what he says. Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And so what James is telling us, he's saying, whatever the situation, pray. In good times, pray. In bad times, pray. Before meals, pray. After meals, pray. When you wake up in the morning, pray. When you go to bed at night, pray. Pray continually. Make prayer a priority. James is challenging us to pray all the time. In fact, he, he talks about a very specific situation that we should pray, and he tells us actually very specifically how we should pray, the, the method we should use. He says this, verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so James says, here's what you do. If you have someone who is sick, gather the church, especially the leaders of the church around that person, and anoint them with oil and pray over them in the name of the Lord. Now, oil doesn't have any special uh, you know, qualities or magic or anything, but, but oil is a way of, of, of showing physically what is going on spiritually, that you're anointing them just like we are anointed with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. But the most important thing is to pray. Well, we actually did this in my first congregation. There was a, a dear member of our congregation. Her name was Lucy. We actually called her Tia Lucy because she was kind of like our Puerto Rican aunt for our children. She's just a wonderful woman. But she had some health issues. And one of them was is that she had a, a brain aneurysm. And she was about to go into surgery the next day to have a stint put in. And so on Sunday, what we encouraged the congregation to do, we had a smaller congregation. And we said, all right, for those of you who want to stay, we're going to have a special prayer service for Lucy. And so we did exactly what James tells us to do. We, we gathered the congregation around after worship. And one by one, we anointed, we put, dipped our fingers into oil and we anointed Lucy with oil and we prayed over her fervently that God would heal her and be with her. And guess what? It worked. We experience what, what James says here. He says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick 
and the Lord will raise him up. That's what happened to Lucy. She went into surgery, and, and although she had a heart condition, all sorts of other complications, she survived that surgery, and she made it through. God answered our prayer. And there's quite a few stories from our congregation um, that, that tell that same kind of story. We think about the founding pastor, Pastor Ben Kurth. Pastor Ben Kurth was um, getting ready to launch this church, Victory, and as he was getting ready to launch this congregation, his wife Sarah went into labor with their child Sophie. And while they were, um, while, while she was delivering this child, her, actually her uterus erupted and the baby was without oxygen for a long time. And the doctor told Pastor Ben Kurth, he said, expect the worst. Most likely this child is going to die. And if this child does make it through, they're going to have severe brain damage. Well, baby Sophie was delivered and miraculously she was, she was fine. There was no signs of any kind of trauma whatsoever. And the doctor, who I don't know if he was a believer or not, I don't think he was, said this is nothing short of a miracle. Or there's the story of Jackson. Many of you know the story of Jackson Pullis. I asked Ashley, if I could tell this story, but about four years ago, Jackson was, was, was filled with cancer and they did this really crazy surgery on him. And, and many of you supported the family and, and prayed fervently that God would be with Jackson and heal him and take care of it. And God listened to that prayer and Jackson made it and he is still a member of this congregation. There's also the story of Jordan Moore. And I asked uh, in the Moore family if I could share this with you that that, that Jordan Moore has had some issues, uh, had quite a few brain surgeries throughout the year. And every time that she has to go in for a surgery, this congregation prays fervently and family prays fervently. And the Lord continues to answer that prayer and to be with Jordan to heal her over and over again. And you probably have your own stories where, where God has answered that prayer. And so to answer our original question, why pray? Because prayer is powerful. And we've seen prayer change things. But that's not always what happens. We also all have these stories where we've done all the things that James has told us to do. We, we pray fervently in the name of the Lord, laying our hands on the people, doing everything we can, praying continuously, and the person doesn't recover, doesn't get healed. It doesn't go the way we thought. I think about my previous congregation. There's a dear woman named Leora Fluheft. And I would love to go to Bud and Laura's house. I'd bring my dog along because they loved, um, loved having the dog in the house. And so I would come over and visit them. And I just loved this dear family. And, and Leora's heart valve was getting weak just because of old age. And, and the doctor said, you really need a new heart valve? And because she was in pretty good health and she was the main caretaker for Bud, she decided to do this surgery. And I did all those things that James tells us to do. I prayed for her and I, 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 I prayed fervently in the name of the Lord that God would heal her and take care of her and get her through the surgery. But Leora never made it through the surgery. And you all have those kinds of stories where you prayed fervently in the name of the Lord and it didn't turn out the way you thought, even with the story of Lucy. Yeah, Lucy did make it through that initial surgery, but then about a week or so later, in the middle of the night, I got a frantic phone call from her daughter that Lucy had died in the night, died in her sleep. And so, 
How can prayer be so powerful if very often we will pray as fervently as ever and it doesn't seem to work? It doesn't seem to stick. God doesn't seem to answer our prayers. Well, maybe what we need to do is to go back and see what James actually says. Let's look at verse 15 one more time. And this is what it says. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. See, James says, yeah, we should pray for physical healing. Gather the elders of the church around, gather the congregation, lay hands. You can even anoint oil if you want to do those kinds of things. Um, Pray fervently that God would heal this person. But what God ultimately wants to do, James says, is a prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and raise him up. You see, God is not content to just heal a person temporarily only to get sick again. What God wants to do more than anything is not just heal, but James says, but to save. He doesn't just want to heal. He wants to save and raise up that person on the last day and give them a new resurrected body that will never be plagued with illness again. And so that's why God wants to do the the even deeper thing, the more important thing. We'll see that in the next sentence, still in verse 15, it says, and if he has committed sins, this sick person, if they've committed sins, they will be forgiven. That's the real healing that God wants to take place. And, And here's what I've seen, that over and over again, it's not until a person is laid low that they look up. Very often, I've seen this, that when a person is weak and with and, and suffering in some kind of illness is, is when they finally see their mortality. They finally see how much they need God. In fact, very often the conscience is reawakened and people remember, you know, one day I'm going to die and I'm going to have to stand before a holy God. And very often when people are sick and they, they ask me, Pastor, would you pray for me? They say, don't just pray for my body, pray for my soul. Pray that God would forgive me in Jesus' name. See, that's the much deeper healing that that God wants to do. And that's why James says, therefore, as he sums up everything he has to say about prayer, he sums it all up. He says, therefore, verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And maybe I could say, emphasize it, that you may be truly and fully healed. See, God wants to heal us eternally. And so pray for healing. Pray that God would heal us completely. And and here's your to-do. That's that's the the take-home point from this section. Here's what James wants to do. This is what God inspired James to tell us, to pray confidently for healing. Pray confidently for healing and healing in every sense of the word. Yes, pray for for people who are sick. We love the story that that Sophie was born healthy. We love that story of of Jackson and we love the story of Jordan and all these many other stories of, of the Lucys of the world. Pray for that physical healing, but more importantly, pray for eternal, bodily, resurrected healing through Jesus Christ. Pray for that. And God says, when you do that, when you pray for that, when you pray for this type of healing, James explains this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
Your prayers matter. Your prayers heal people eternally. People's destinies, their eternal destinies to walk with the Lord in their new resurrected body, they change because of your prayers. Your prayers matter to God. Maybe you don't always see how they change the circumstance, but God hears your prayers and he listens to them and they matter eternally. Because God wants to do a much deeper work through your prayers. We see that in the life of Jesus. I don't know if you know this story, but... One time Jesus was teaching uh, people and, and there was a few men that carried in a friend of theirs who was a paralytic. And there was so much people in the room that they couldn't come up to Jesus. And so they went on the roof and, and opened up the roof and dropped this paralytic right in front of Jesus. And Jesus looked at this man and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the people started kind of laughing at Jesus and, and, and said, who do you think you are that you could actually forgive sins? And then Jesus says, to show you that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, I tell you, get up and walk. And this paralytic got up and walked. Jesus is almost saying, you know what? It's easy for me to heal temporarily. I can, I can heal in the moment, but this impossible thing of healing people eternally, that is what I really came to do. And that's what I do even through your prayers. Now, you might be wondering, <laughs> how could God use me to change somebody's eternity? I mean, how could God use me, a sinful person who doesn't deserve anything from God, how could God use me to change my, my, my son or my daughter, my, my friend, my neighbor, my parents? How could God use even my prayers to change somebody's eternity? And if that's how you feel, if you don't feel worthy, you don't feel capable of doing this, James goes on to say this. He says, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. He prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. I don't know if you know the story of Elijah, but Elijah seems to me to be kind of like the Luke Skywalker Jedi of the Old Testament. I mean, everything he does uh, is, is pretty amazing. He, he calls down fire from the sky. He does all these crazy miracles. He gets caught up in a whirlwind um, of chariots of fire instead of dying. He just does all these crazy Jedi-like amazing miracles. And yet James reminds us that he had a nature like ours. The scriptures also tell us that, that Elijah suffered with depression and doubt and, and he wanted to give up on life. He wanted God to take him because he was so depressed and felt so hopeless that, that he struggled with the exact same things that you struggle with and we struggle with. He had a nature like ours. And so if God will listen to a prayers of a regular old guy like Elijah who struggled with the same things we struggle with, he will listen to us when we pray. And so what if we did this? It's like, it's like a congregation. What if we looked at all of the ailments and all the things that were going on as an opportunity to pray for complete healing? 
I know there's a lot of people suffering right now. It, it just seems like, I don't know, either I'm getting to know more people in the Milwaukee area or more people are actually suffering right now. I think there's quite a few people who are suffering because maybe there was this expectation that with the turn of the calendar year, maybe we would see different circumstances. Maybe the pandemic wouldn't be so, uh, such a big problem still. Maybe things would be different and maybe things would have been better by now. And there was this expectation. I think lots of people are feeling, like Pastor Bill said last week, exhausted and depressed because of unmet expectations. Then there's just more and more people who have been quarantined and schools that have shut down, other things that have shut down because of the outbreak. And, and now there's concern that there are new strands. And so people are just feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. And then there are people who are getting sick and people we know who are getting sick. And not just sick with COVID, but I'm learning more and more people who are suffering with cancer. And we got people on our staff like Liz Shield who are suffering. And so there, there are just so many people hurting right now. And that gives us an opportunity to pray for healing. And I think there's one real practical way that we could do this. I don't know if you know this, but Tim and Pat Johnson, they lead a life group in our congregation. And when this pandemic started, they saw it spreading. They decided to use their life group to put together these COVID care packages. And they, they call them these kind of care packages that could be delivered to anybody who is suffering in any way. If you're suffering with, with sadness or going through a tough time or maybe you have um, you know, other kinds of ailments or, or COVID itself, they will deliver that care package for you or you could deliver that care package and what if we all did this? What if we used all of these hurting situations as an opportunity to pray for healing, that we would deliver these care packages to these people we know and care about, but not just deliver them, but we'd pray for them and pray with them and pray not just for the healing of their bodies, but their complete healing on the last day through Jesus Christ, the healing of their hearts, the forgiveness of sins won for them on the cross through Jesus Christ? What if we prayed as a congregation for all those who are hurting and we prayed for complete eternal healing? Well, James tells us what could happen. As he, these are the last verses in his letter, and this is how he closes it out. He says, My brothers... If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Just think that, that maybe some of these people, maybe we know this or we don't know this, but some of these people who are hurting right now have wandered from the faith. They're... they're, they're giving up on God or they have doubts or, or they're struggling or maybe they have no faith at all. And this opportunity, that this, this thing that they're going through is an opportunity for us to pray for healing. Healing not just for their lives physically, but healing of their hearts. And, and James tells us what happens when we bring back a wandering person, when we pray for them. He says, you save a person's soul from death. You don't just heal them temporarily. You save their soul from death. What an opportunity for us as a family of believers to pray and to heal and to save. That's what happened to Lucy. See, after Lucy had that first surgery, I went and visited her in the hospital 
And we laughed and we cried because that's what we always did when we got together. And we talked about all the different ways that God had been getting into her life and waking her up and bringing her back. See, Lucy had suffered all sorts of abuse in her life and, and her life was also full of unwanted sin that she had committed. And, and so all these different things were kind of swirling in her heart. But she talked about how even this surgery opened her up, stopped her, opened her heart up to hear once again that she was a forgiven, loved child of God. And so that's what I did. I reminded her again that Lucy, Jesus loves you. He forgives you. He died for you on the cross. He rose again. You are forgiven, loved child of God. I gave Lucy a hug, said goodbye, and walked out of the hospital room. And I didn't realize that that was the last time I would see Lucy. And now I look forward to the day when Jesus returns and finishes the job of healing Lucy as he resurrects her body from the dead and resurrects our world so that we can walk together, not just partly healed from our temporal ailments, but healed eternally in Jesus Christ. And so pray. Pray confidently. Pray continuously. Pray boldly that God would heal people, that he would heal them physically. You know someone who's like, pray that God would heal them. But more importantly, pray that he would heal their hearts. Pray because in the name of Jesus Christ, your prayers are powerful and effective. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray for all those who are sick and suffering. The list continues to get longer and longer with those who are hurting right now. And we all have somebody on our mind that needs your presence and your healing and, and you. So Lord God, we pray that you would work miraculous healing. Do it again as, as we remember all the ways that you have healed, even people we know in the past. We pray that you would now work your healing physically right now in these people that we care about. But Lord God, we know that you're not content to just heal temporarily, only so people would get sick again and die again. So we pray, Lord God, that you would heal us deeply. You would heal our hearts. That you would forgive our sins in Jesus Christ and help us to look forward to the last day when you will resurrect all people and give us new bodies to be like your glorious body. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.